P. Ryan is in. One timeout for Cincinnati. And going deep into the end zone and caught by Chase! Oh my goodness, what a crab! 34-yard touchdown throw! Burrow back to throw. Fires deep down the yeah. sideline. Chase wide oh, open. Oh, oh. Touchdown! Man. Bengals! Unreal. Hello and welcome to episode 171 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name is Paul Hirons and welcome to our final episode before the draft. There you go, see what I did there? A little bit of a pause to make you think this was the final ever episode of Cincinnati, but goodness no, goodness no, don't be damned. Uh, it is the final episode before the 2022 NFL Draft to be held in Las Vegas later on this week. We are mere days away. The excitement is building and here to share in that excitement is Nathan Palmer. Hello, Nathan. Hello, son. How are you doing? It's a pleasure to be back with you. Oh, look at that. Uh, of course, you had a, a week off last week. Uh, we had Joe Goodbury in. Uh, it was your birthday, wasn't it? So you went gallivanting around Europe again, didn't you? How amazing was that? No, oh, fantastic. Well, you know, lovely to get away and uh, a bit of paid time off from uh, Cincinnati. It's always, uh, always enjoyable now and again. <laughs> paid time off. Well, look at that. <laughs> paid leave, holiday time. Again, we're going to have to get HR onto your contract situation, I think. But, um, yeah, well, happy birthday, belated birthday, man. Did you get anything nice for your birthday? Do you get that kind of stuff for your birthday these days? I think the older you get, the less presents you get, don't you? And you just become a bit more content with... Um, just having a few pints and a nice meal and enjoying yourself. But um, yeah, I was in Italy. Lovely, lovely little week there. Um, Revitalised, fresh and back now with, what, three days to go until the draft kicks off or four days to go until the draft kicks off Indeed, Thursday night. Indeed. I like to think that you're sitting by a, your pool in uh, uh, your pair of budgie smugglers and just with your Ooh. laptop open doing mock drafts every <laughs> Every five minutes, just to kind of get up to speed with the whole kind of uh, uh, the draft mayhem, because it is mayhem at the moment. So many names, so many mock drafts now. So many. Do you know what? I think I'm I'm over the talking, apart from this hour, uh, obviously of Cincinnati, and it, I think it's time to go. I'm ready to go, Nathan. I'm ready for it to happen. <laughs> you gonna be standing up on Thursday, Sam? No. No, don't be silly. I think it'll be about half four in the morning by the Bengals' pick, and there's no guarantee yeah. that they're going to stay in the first round, I don't yeah, think. So, yeah, yeah. so, no, what I'm going to do is wake up normal time, check out who we drafted, and then do Good Morning Bengals on the Friday morning to dissect and discuss the comings and goings. But, no, what about you? I mean, there's been stuff going around the internet, kind of like, oh, what are you going to be doing draft night? You know, how will you be on it? And do you remember the Burrow thing? I think everybody stayed up for the Burrow draft yep. a couple of years ago and we did our own version of goggle box if you remember which was quite fun which is basically sticking a camera or asking a bunch of Bengals fans in the UK to film their reaction when Joe Burrow got selected um I think this year it's going to be a sleep cam if anyone wants to kind of film me during the draft I'm going to be asleep which is <laughs> not going to be that much fun at all 
Yeah, I, I get it. I know I'm, I've not made a decision yet on it. I think the one thing that's very exciting about this draft is it, there's about five to ten different players the Bengals could potentially draft, maybe even more than that. Whereas in the past, it's been very much um, sort of locked in on either Chase versus Saul or obviously um, the year before that, Joe Boy. So certainly a very open draft potential for the Bengals to come up or down. You know, they don't like to go up typically. But even at 31, you know, there's a lot of names at the tackle position, at cornerback. Um, you know, you never know for some surprise if a couple, a couple of guys fall down um, as that happens every year. So, very exciting one. But like you said, if they do pick 31, you're talking, what, that's three, three and a half hours into the draft. You might be we might be looking at some uh, weary eyes the next morning. Absolutely. Now, have you have you been listening to other... I know that uh, we don't like to... Um, well, we do, really. It's all a big community. We like to listen to other podcasts, obviously. You know, um, there are other podcasts out there. Uh, other podcasts are available, as the saying goes. And I've been listening to... What do you uh, mean? You, what sort of other podcasts? Well, it, well, frankly, inferior ones, <laughs> I must say. No, I'm joking. Um, I've never heard of any others. Well, I listened to Dave Lapham's this week, In the Trenches, and that was really good. He had our old old chum, Carl Kasky, the former running backs uh, coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, and uh, they kind of did the whole kind of what was it like in the Bengals draft room, and that was really interesting. Uh, and also Dan Horde's um, Bengals Booth podcast. He had Greg Seaman on, who is a, or was, uh, part of the scouting department from around, you know, the from the early Marvin years to um, the 2015-2016 season. So, and he really lifted the lid on, uh, on what went on and what Mike Brown does during the days and how they construct their boards and what Duke did when as his influence grew during the during his time there and, and within the organization it's really fascinating man and I mean he talked about the Cedric Aboy draft in in 2015 and obviously he he admitted that they got it wrong you know they did get it wrong and it was, but it was really fascinating and uh, it's sort of um destroyed the illusion that I have in my head that it's it's almost like the star sh- the bridge of the starship enterprise in Star Trek on draft uh, on draft day you've got I like to think that Mike Brown is in the captain's chair flanked by Katie Blackburn and Zach Taylor and then you then you've got uh, Duke Tobin on his right hand side as Spock and uh, you've got the scouts as Mr Sulu and Mr Chekhov down there and uh, you know the big boards on the big screen and uh, you know all this kind of stuff, uh, but of course that you know it's not as romantic or as sci-fi as that, unfortunately. Um, but it was a very fascinating uh, listen, and one thing that you, came. You've got a fantastic imagination, you have, son. I'll give you that. Well, maybe they should make it in just to make it more fun. Just make <laughs> it into the bridge of the Starship Enterprise, and they all have to wear these kind of tight-fitting, almost like uh, pajama-like lycra suits, and they have like. Uh, amazing sound effects and uh, and they Mike Brown addresses people like uh, you know like Mr Tobin can you tell me about this and that and I don't know I, I, that's what I would like maybe they should do that to, in, to incorporate some fun into it but uh, maybe they shouldn't but uh, one thing that Greg did say that was very interesting that um, almost like because because teams tend to have about 16 or 17 players graded as first round players the second round almost starts around position 20 or so uh, yeah which i found really interesting and that's something that i didn't really think about and um 
So when it comes to 31, your slap, but you know, you, that second round almost has started. That second round, that second board of players that they go to. But of course, you know, as you said, one or two players will drop from that first 16 that won't be selected, you know, and uh, yeah, I just found that kind of stuff really fascinating. So I think the point is, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, it's it's definitely more of a free-for-all um, uh, where we're picking, I think, this, which makes it sort of more complicated and more exciting, I think. 100%. And the other thing you got to remember as well is when you look around the internet, all these different mock drafts and projections and people looking at guys that they think are going to go in certain spots. Every single year you see a guy that's forecast to go in the teens or maybe between 15 and 20 that will fall out of the first round. It happens all the time. Um, I remember back in the day when we got Andrew Billings in the third round. He was at one point um, projected to be a first round pick. So Yeah, that's right. At that 31 position... You, I mean, not many people are talking about, you know, sort of certain people that are up there. You're not sort of getting too ahead of yourself thinking that someone's that's being regularly sort of mocked at maybe like 18, 19, 17. You might think, wow, there's no way we're going to get a guy like that. You never know in the draft. You never know if there's been some flags behind the scenes that haven't been picked up by people or certain things that might just have a bit of hesitation <laughs> for some teams. And a player that you've not even bothered thinking about might just slide down towards you there at 31. So I think as much as there's um you know as much as you said it's an interesting opportunity there's certainly a lot of potential there for the Bengals to get a bargain there's also the potential for them to potentially draft someone a bit like they did with Jackson Carmen last year maybe slightly earlier than a lot of people had them projected so yeah a lot of um a lot of this really puts the Bengals I guess in a position that um there's a lot of value here either way. You know, there's a lot of potential for them to get it nailed on and really get some value there at 31. And there's also the potential for them to um, screw it up a bit like the Cedric he pick that you mentioned earlier. Indeed, indeed. So what's going to happen today is that we're going to bring our, kind of one of our draft guys in, Andrew Dockerall, in a second to talk about some of the mock drafts that he has done for us and put a bow on it, really. Uh, me and Nathan are going to play some games. We're going to reveal our own draft crushes and who we'd like to see the Bengals take and then uh, we've got some correspondence as well so we're going to hear from you lot out there on who you would like um, the Bengals to draft so that's uh, all to come uh, but first as promised let's bring in Andrew okay as promised it's uh, I want to say our resident draft expert but of course there's plenty of people in the Bengals UK community that are into the draft and this guy is one of them he does mock drafts for us he's done two spectacular ones this week it is of course andrew dockerall andrew how you doing i'm doing well pal thanks for having me you're welcome it's good to see you again man last time we saw each other it was the super bowl and now that's uh in the very much in the rear view mirror isn't it yeah, the, the excitement and happiness in my face definitely disappeared during that night. But no, it was a good time. Who knows? Maybe with this draft, we're back again. Exactly. Exactly. Because I think that's the point. I think once again, once you get all down to it, we're going to be drafting some good players again, whoever we draft, I think. Um, um, now, you did uh, two mock drafts for us this week. Uh, your third mock draft, the one that you called The Dream, Um do you just want to go through that for us? Number one pick for you was Andrew Booth, the cornerback from Clemson. I mean, how 
How likely is a cornerback at 31, do you think? I've been on cornerback at 31 since the beginning. I think I think this is the first year of mock drafts where I've only drafted one position. Um, it just seems such a fit with what the need there with Eli Apple being a second corner. That's not really what you want for a whole year and, and going forwards. I think uh, pretty much there's no corners beyond the 2023 contract. So there's a lot of questions in that room going forwards. Um, so I, I think it just makes a lot of sense. Uh, tackle, you've, you've sorted now kind of with Leo Collins and Jonah, you're probably going to bring back. So I don't think tackle is the answer there. And then this class, there's just a lot of questions at the other positions. So I think corner just suits well with the Bengals need and this draft. Um, yeah, I, I kind of tend to agree. We'll get into that. In I mean, Nathan and I will discuss where we both want to go in this draft a bit later. But um, if it's not cornerback in round one, I mean, I've got my eyes on certainly um, uh, the defensive line. But let's talk about the offensive line real quick. You mentioned there that we've got bodies on the offensive line and some good starters now, pretend, you know, all being well on paper. Um a lot of people still, you know, putting their flag, hammering that flag in the ground for Tyler Linderbaum. Um, what's your views on Linderbaum at 31? If he's I really there, like Linderbaum. Um, I think he's, he's a really nice mover. He fits the zone, wide zone really well. Um, he's got that wrestling background and it's just super obvious on how he plays, how he manipulates guys that despite his kind of slight undersize uh, and the arm question. Um <sighs> I firstly don't think he gets the 31 still. I think there's there's too many teams that need centers and his ability there. I think someone pulls a trigger before 31. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if he makes the 31, uh, I don't know how the Bengals feel about taking a guy with the short arms with the questions they've got when they've just brought in a Karras. I know Karras can move to guard, but I think I think they feel fairly confident with where they are. They're fairly confident with what they think they'll get from Carmen year two. So I, I just don't see it, even if he's there at 31. But he's a good pick if he is. Okay, round two, you went Trey McBride, the tight end. Round three, you went Kirby Joseph, the safety out of Illinois. Uh, round four, D'Angelo Malone, the edge from Western Kentucky. Uh, Bo Melton, the shifty wide receiver in round five. Uh, Thomas Booker, the defensive tackle. Uh, from Stanford in round six. And then your two, uh, you've got another, uh, you've got two round sevens, haven't we? So you've gone punter, Ryan Stonehouse, and you've got Darren Butler, the Arizona State linebacker. Um, you called it the dream. Are you pretty pretty happy with that? Uh, that yeah, search? I think if, in a dream world, you probably get a defensive tackle a bit earlier, but the, there is such a drop-off there from once you get kind of interior guys of Travis Jones and kind of Winfrey, there's just a big drop-off. So there wasn't really any names that shout with me in the kind of third, fourth, five, fifth round. Maybe you want another interior guy to kind of develop, particularly maybe centre-back up. But, I mean, you can't fix all your holes in one draft and that's that's what you have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Nathan, what did you make of that uh, mock from Andrew there? You know, as you were going through it, certainly from a position perspective, I felt like it made a lot of sense addressing some keyholes, a bit of getting some um, movement in the secondary, getting a linebacker in there. I think a punter is probably going to be something they have a look at after the success they had with Evan McPherson last year. So across the board, I think it made a lot of sense. Um, some solid names in there. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd buy it. <laughs> mm. uh, you've got the Palmer stamp of approval there, uh, Andrew, which is good. Uh, but let, let's go to the second mock that you did. And it, this is kind of interesting and fairly unique, actually. I don't think anybody else does this uh, anywhere, actually. It's the AI 100 mock draft. Uh, just explain to us what happens when you do this. Yeah, so essentially it involves a lot of hours of me just sitting on a mock draft simulator, uh, automatic simulation of picks, and and then putting them into spreadsheets and then creating nice little shiny pie charts. Um, There's a few moments where you have spelling mistakes and stuff that you have to go back through. But yeah, there's a reason why not many other people do it. It does take a lot of time. Um, and at the end of the day, it is random computer generated. So you do. So get what, what's the point of this? What are you hoping to uh, examine here? Is it just like an, we're presenting an average pick, aren't we? What's the what's the highest average of selection for each round? Yeah, obviously, every team has different boards and stuff. But just having that kind of consensus board and having a consensus of on average, what kind of picks you'll see at 31, especially later down as well, what kind of players you'll see. And it, it just gives you guys to go back and look at tape of as well. So um, the top three picks in the first round were defensive back, offensive line and defensive line. And one guy stood out and that was Kyler Gordon, the Washington cornerback. And people like Lewis Seen and Jalen Petrie and Daxton here were mentioned Linda Barmagan, uh, Daniel Fellaini, and Bernard Raymond. Um, but talk to us about the the again. It seems to be cornerback or at least defensive back that's that's hot there. Yeah, I think three of the top four were all cornerbacks. Um, I think realistically, probably you probably should have two of the three on the draft day: Booth, Elam, and Gordon. Um, so then it becomes of what kind of guy they want. So Elam is your young. I think he's only 20, still super aggressive, very kind of handsy guy, um, good for man scheme. Booth is a bit of kind of do it all, but there's the questions with, he didn't run any 40, so there's long speed issues that you can worry about there. Um, but he comes from the Clemson background, can kind of do it all. And then Gordon is just the guy who, because he was behind McDuffie, hasn't got the the super love that kind of these other guys have got as cornerback ones, but he... He has the athleticism. He was one on Feldman's freak list and he's just a, a good player. There's probably a bit of anticipatory reacting stuff that he probably can work on, but he's 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 probably definitely in the reckoning at 31. Mm. Uh, round two, we had offensive line, tight end and defensive line. We had a few randoms in there. Abraham Lucas, Nicholas Petit-Frere. Dylan Parham, Jamari Salia, Darren Kinnard, and you know you can go through, but the tight ends are interesting around that. Do you do you honestly think the Bengals will draft a tight end that early, a McBride or a Greg Dulcich? I don't think so. I think I would. I very much like it. I think McBride is. I think he's fell in love with a lot of the Bengals fan base. Anyway, um, he's very plug and play ready, super kind of all round guy. Awesome story raised by two mums. I think that would probably be an NFL first. Um, but yeah, I, I think they've brought in Hurst because they want to see what he can do as tight end one. And I think they're going to trust him to do that. I think they could definitely bring in some kind of more of a projecty guy. And that works well with this class. There's a, there's a nice soft spot on early day three. You've got guys like uh, Ferguson, Rucker. You've got Calvichera, I know you like. You've got Kalar, Turner, Okonkwo, who they gave a top 30 visit to. He's super athletic, but super raw. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably more the route they go down in reality. 
we go through the picks here rounds two round three round four uh, and even round five actually offensive line is still hanging around like a big bad smell um do you, i mean i think obviously before free agency uh everyone was mocking the bengals uh to take an offensive lineman first round uh, they kind of said you have to take an offensive lineman in the first round and the second round if you can yeah um and then free agency happened which kind of altered things quite dramatically i think um where are you expecting the bengals to take an offensive lineman if they do uh this year yeah and like you said it took a long time for the mock sims actually to to update and remove o-line as kind of that only main need so started this exercise later than normal to be honest because of that um I'm thinking mid rounds. I I don't see day one, day two. I can't really see. Um, there are some athletic project types in tackle, but like I said, with Collins, with Williams, I don't see them investing in that kind of thing. Maybe Daniel Falele, you could, as a second round, you could kick inside first. Um, Solier is a guy I think they're close on as a guard. And then mid round guys, you're looking at Zach. Zach Tom from Wake Forest, he can kind of play across the board. Uh, Luke Gadecki, I think, is an interesting one. Um, Parham and Jurgens are probably more of your centre guys. Cole Strange as well is a guy who's come up a few times. Um, and then there's an LSU guy, Ed Ingram, as a guard. He had a, an, a red flag kind of arrest on his record, so, but that was a few years ago. So if they can part, bypass that, then there's, there's talent there. So that's kind of a mid-round kind of feel I see. Um. Aside from, I think we're all nailed on that there's going to be some cornerback action. There's going to be some defensive line action. There may be some offensive line action. There's going to be a bit of tight end action. There's been a lot of chat about wide receivers, and I know that some of your draft crushes are in those mid-rounds. So talk to us a, a, few, about, a few of the guys that they, they might be looking at and who, who you love in this draft. Yeah, I really fell in love with that kind of round three to round six gadgety guys with return skills. Um if you Calvin Austin to me is pretty much like Antonio Gibson, but five foot seven, uh, he he's, he's done the exact same draft journey. He's gone from being that seventh round pick in my first mock to being now like a third. And I think I've even seen him top 50 now in some mocks, super gadget um, five, seven doesn't really translate, but you can, you can look at him and how twitchy it is and, and see it. Um, Danny Gray SMU is one. Uh, Bo Melton is a guy I think they've, they've, they've definitely got a lot into. He played outside at college, didn't get much production, but he has super speed, super return skills. Um, I think that's one to watch. Jalen Naylor is probably a later one, Michigan State. Um, again, top 30 visit. So there's definitely guys for them to look in that kind of smaller gadgety slot role. And um, anything surprise you when you did these exercises? Let's put a bow on it now, Andrew. Once again, thank you for all your uh, hard work. Um, let's put a bow on it and and kind of try and narrow this down. Anything? First of all, anything surprise you when you did these exercises? I mean, we alluded to it earlier. It's just the, that heavy O-line lean. Um, perhaps if I split it out from O-line into interior and tackle, maybe that dissipates that a little bit there. Uh, but a lot of O-line... Um, I think that is probably, I, I can't see more than one pick there, given how much they invested last year. Um, safety, I, I thought I'd see more safety-wise. I know I've mentioned Kirby Joseph already. I think he's really probably my favourite field safety outside of the first round. Um, 
just because I don't think they pull the trigger on Bates long term. So I think there is definitely a need there. There's probably a need for a strong safety as well with Vaughn kind of questions too. Um, so that's probably somewhere I'd probably put a little bit more into, uh, probably more into edge as well. I know we've mentioned Malone. He's kind of a bigger Akeem Davis gaver in terms of super high energy, uh, but pass rush only kind of type. So more edges would probably be something I'd have expected to see. Certainly in that second, third round, there's a nice group of twitchy project guys there. You can see how far Ajabo falls after his injury. Uh, Drake Jackson maybe there. End of the second two is an interesting guy. Uh, so yeah, again, you've got Trey and Hubbard on long-term deals, but there's definitely room to develop behind those guys. Um, interior, Logan Hall, Travis Jones, uh, both twitchy, super athletic, but questions. Hall is that awkward size where he's, he's so big that leverage becomes tough in the interior. Um, Jones is a super athlete, but he's not really productive in terms of a pass rush. So he, is he just a nose tackle? Uh, but there's definitely talent all around this board. And if you were, if I were to ask you to put some money on who the Bengals will pick? At 31. At 31. Who are you going to go? Oh, I'm going to go... Oh, I'm going to go Elam. Okay, very good. The cornerback out of Florida. Uh, well, there we go. Andrew, thank you so much for everything you've done this year yet again. And uh, no doubt we'll be talking to you soon. Thank you very much, Andrew. Good to My pleasure. You. Take care. Right, there we go. That was Andrew Dockerell. Many thanks to Dockers there for his input during the draft season. I hope you've enjoyed his mock drafts and uh, very interesting things uh, occurring in those mock drafts. What do you make of that all, Nathan? You were staying quiet and listening to that, observing. What's what's the Nathan Palmer verdict on all that sort of stuff? You, you, you've got to leave it to the experts, haven't you? I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm not I'm not a self-confessed draft expert by any means. You know, you know the positions we need. I've watched some YouTube videos of them, read some articles and sort of been involved with the buzz. But I know guys like Dockers and Peter Dadswell and stuff like that, they really put the time and effort into, you know, really getting into the nitty-gritty of it all. So you've got to just sometimes sit back and um let the music play some exactly that what a great phrase that is just sit back and let the music play um but saying that we're here to discuss it and i i do find the <laughs> i do find the conundrum because i tell you what i tell you what, a couple of weeks ago i was all in on tyler linderbaum at 31 all in i thought it just makes too much sense he's a good player you know, move Karras out to guards. Suddenly, we're looking at an offensive line that has, you know, you know, top ten potential in the NFL. Um, but I've changed my mind, and I keep changing my mind. And I find that this draft is really difficult to predict, just because of the sheer size of the pool of the players that we're yeah. going to be yeah. choosing from. I, I kind of go from, oh, yeah, you know, Linderbaum will be great. And, yeah, but we don't really need him, but then he'll be sort of the best player available and you have to take the best players right there. If, you know, if they're kind of, you know, if, if Linderbaum is, say, rated at, you know, 15 on their board and he's there at 31, yeah. you know, you've yeah. got to take him, right? But yeah. then it's kind of like, yeah, but you know, they didn't make all these moves in free agency for Nout, you know? Yep. So it's like, oh, man, yeah, but got to be cornerback, right? They, that's the glaring sort of need on our team. If there is need, if there is one, as Andrew Matt mentioned, the whole depth between not just Eli Apple, but, you know, you've got to 
think about both Trey Wade's and uh, Darius Phillips left this summer uh, or this off-season. So there's nothing much behind both Eli Apple and Cheeto. Cheeto. Um, so I think some depth is very much needed there. And I know we signed BJ Hill, but, you know, Larry Ogunjabi didn't. We could do with a bit of a push from the inside there. Um, as I say, there's, we've got bodies in the in the tight end room, but they they seem to be looking at tight ends, and it's a good deep class of tight ends. Uh, and then you look at wide receiver. There's nothing, you know, again, bodies there. Your Mike Thomases, your Trent Irwins, your Trent Taylors. Um, they're all there, but do you want another one, an out big outside receiver to sort of deputise for for both Chase and Higgins? Do you want a little speedy mofo in the middle there to add a bit of juice and something different to that wide receiver room? So, you know, you go round and round and round and there's <laughs> there's loads of stuff. Um Yeah, I find it fascinating this year. I frankly I have no idea where they're gonna go really, Um, because only they know who's on their boards and who they're looking at. No, 100%. I mean, like I said, it's very, very exciting in terms of um, the options they've got available. I definitely feel exactly like you said with Lindenbaum, um, how it's transitioned in the last couple of weeks from being, oh, yeah, probably offensive line, probably maybe some um, potential in the defensive line or maybe uh, cornerback to actually being now, yeah, probably it's going to be cornerback. I just think that the interview with Duke Tobin the other day when he came out, um, spoke to the press, he was very much open to the fact that, look, we need do need to get a cornerback in at some point. You know, there's no secret about that. I think with getting Lael Collins in and obviously um, the other two interior guys, that feels like a very strong line. There's still potential there to bring back someone like Quinton Spain exactly. if you were to get an injury. Exactly. and. You know, even Riley Reef, I'm, I'm not sure necessarily how viable that would be, but there's still some guys out there if you wanted that. Um I think you've got to hope they're still open to best player available. And like I said before, if there is there is a guy that comes tumbling down, you know, like a Zion Johnson or something that you, you wouldn't think would be there that um, you could pick up, then I think that would be a smart move. But in terms of cornerbacks, I mean, you've got a lot of different guys that could be there, might not be there. You know, Elam, Daxton Hill from Michigan, like, you know, all these sorts of names that um, are popping up. So... Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one for the Bengals. And I think that, you know, like I said, I, I can't remember a time, certainly in the first round, where you've had literally at least 10 names, maybe more, that could potentially um, be on the board for us. Yeah, I think you made a, a fantastic point there about, you know, once the draft is over, that's that doesn't stop them bringing in a Quinton Spain. It doesn't stop them bringing in another veteran body in the cornerback room. You know what I mean? They've still got a little bit of cat space left that they can work with. So I, I, I think this is, again, this is not the end of the process in roster building. This is the next chapter, if you like. But um, I, I I was kind of going through all the mock drafts, right? And again, my mind was torn. I kind of thought I've had enough of this. I need to, because basically the whole draft industry, and it is an industry, let's face it, websites are kind of, you know, draft centric and make their money from mock drafts and people giving their opinions about who p- teams should pick and whatnot. And it's like, well, my God, as you get older, you kind of realize that, you know what? It's just a guessing game. No one really knows who the Bengals are going to take 
apart from the Bengals themselves. You know, so what, what's the point in going around all this ridiculous? Okay, yes, it's fun, but for us fans to do mock drafts and mock drafts are really valuable for learning about the players who might be there and you know just just you know figuring out who's who who might be the next star in the NFL, all that kind of stuff. But I got to the point where I was like, look, this is just all guesswork. Everyone's just going around. So I thought, you know, I'm going to go through the internet and see who the Bengals have actually spoken to, who the Bengals have actually got in for visits, because surely that's the best way to determine who the Bengals might pick. And it, it was quite interesting. And this is, It's not a scientific thing. It's by no means complete, you know. Um, but there's some interesting... It does allow you to look at the positions they're looking at. And, you know, uh, they don't include combine interviews. They don't include pro day visits. It's just people they I've seen reporters report on hey, the Bengals have bought in this guy. Hey, the Bengals are going to speak to this guy. So, again, very non-scientific and unconfirmed and all the rest of it. But it's quite interesting to see what position groups they seem to have majored on. And I have to say, the majority, you've got about six or seven, well, about eight defensive tackles, Logan Hall uh, included, Curtis Brooks from Cincinnati, who's shooting up the boards uh, as we speak, Perrin Winfrey, there's another name that we've you've probably heard mentioned before. And then there's a load of defensive ends. And I would imagine the likes of Isaiah Thomas from Oklahoma and Tyreek Smith from Ohio State and George Karlaftis, who won't be there, uh, frankly. Um, you never know, do you? you never know. Right. I mean, it's unlikely. You'd say the odds of him being there are probably about 5%, 10%, maybe even less than yeah. that. But, but if that's he's an there. example of what I was... Yeah, if he was there. I mean, that's that's one of those where it's like, you know, there's a shock every year. Could it be someone like him who's sort of, you know, roughly in the sort of 10 to 20 range on most uh, mock drafts? You know, if something was on his record, maybe a concern about an injury, an off-the-field concern, whatever it might be, maybe he didn't interview well, all of a sudden he's there at 31. You know, do you then think, oh, that changes everything, you know? So unlikely, but he's that, that sort of guy, I think, that, you know, is all, almost certainly going to be going before 31. But you do never know. Exactly. Some linebackers they brought in. D'Angelo Malone, who Andrew mentioned, is a, is more an edge, really. So that by far, the, you know, they're looking heavily and seriously at the defensive line. They're also looking seriously at the defensive backfield as well. And they brought in yep. uh, Andrew Booth, uh, Alante Taylor, um, Jack Jones is rising at the board. And what's interesting, these guys range from the top of the draft class or the top of the big boards right through the round. So, for instance, cornerback, you've got Andrew Booth and Cam Taylor-Britt, rounds one and two right there. But then you've got people like Alonte Taylor, who's reckoned to be sort of round three and can play a bit of safety as well. Jack Jones, a sort of a mid-round guy that's ascending quite a lot. Um, and then uh, some, some uh, safeties like Joey Blount, Sterling Weatherford, who's from the local Miami University in Ohio, not Florida. Um, Zion Gilbert, so looking at safety a little bit. And then the next one they're looking at heavily, well, is is tight ends. Trey McBride, uh, Isaiah Likely, Grant Calcaterra, who I really, really like, but he's had about 50,000 concussions throughout his career. Do you take the chance mm. and roll the dice 
you know, in terms of medical evaluation there. Greg Dolchich, who, you know, Joe Goodbury, that's his draft crush who we mentioned last week. Jeremy Ruckett. Um, you know, these guys are... I mentioned the cornerbacks. There's people from every kind of area of the boards, but they're looking at the top end of the tight end board. So I, I, I do wonder whether they're going to draft a tight end early. A few wide receivers, uh, mostly back end, interestingly. Isaiah Weston, Samori Toure, Jaquari Robeson, you know, these sort of guys. Quick, big guys. And Alec, Pe- Alec Pierce from Cincinnati is the highest graded wide receiver they've spoken to recently. A handful of offensive linemen, again, ranging from the top right down to the bottom. Uh, a few QBs and a weirdly a long snapper. But my point is that, you know, this doesn't chart everyone. We're not. We're not privy to everyone they've you know met secretly or officially or whatever, but I guess it does show you the position groups they're looking at, and by far the uh, the most active is on that defensive line, which is which is interesting to me. Do you, do you put anything into that at all? No, well, for sure. I mean, you know, it's like if you're going to buy a house, you probably want to go and see it. That's not the case with everyone. You know, there's enough enough film out there and there's enough, um, you know, information out there for them to make decisions without necessarily having formal meetings. But certainly, you know, I think it does prove that they're looking at those positions. They're also the positions that most fans and analysts and experts would say, yep, that makes a lot of sense um, for them. So I think you have to take some stock by it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um... But it's interesting. Lots of names, lots of position groups. I mean, um, we're going to reveal our own draft crushes in a little while. So I've been doing my own bit of research. Oh, get um, me now. Get you. Go on, then. <laughs> it's not traditional research, but one thing I'm always interested by is when you know the bookmakers um, get involved, and obviously there's you know money coming in either way here. So there's some sort of sense behind it. Um, so they have to obviously cover themselves, and they've got some interesting sort of um, under over basically positions on where they think some of the prospects the Bengals um, are looking at will be drafted. So it's like if they say 26.5, anything under 26 or over 26. Um, 6.5 you obviously they would pay out but people we're interested in for example like Zion Johnson they've got him on average going at 24.5 which is quite interesting but about where you'd expect maybe just outside of the Bengals reach Tyler Lindenbaum 27.5 so getting a little bit more towards the back end of um, the first round maybe just in the Bengals position Nakobe Dean unlikely they go for a linebacker but he's a lot lower on this and I've seen him on some drafts he's at 30.5 so could be available for the Bengals um, Kenyon Green the guard 27.5 again just almost outside of um, where the Bengals will be Keir Elam um, who Dockers was saying from Florida He's at 35.5. So they certainly think that he's someone that would be available um, at 32. Um, the guy we were just talking about, who I do quite like, George Karalaftis. Is that set, son? You yeah. know, I'm not Karalaftis. Karalaftis. He's at 19.5. So, like we said, very unlikely he's going to be there at 31, but you never know. Um, so, yeah, some interesting analysis there of, you know, where roughly people will be. The one that did stand out to me, and then, again, this is I've not seen this on many mock drafts, 
But Bernhard Ryman um, from Central Michigan, he's at 37.5. So they're thinking that he will be available um, at 32. So that's one a name on the offensive line to potentially look out for. That I've, I've, Most mock drafts I've seen, I've seen him going in um, a bit earlier than where we're drafting at 31. But certainly some, some interesting analysis um, from a slightly different perspective. But again, that is a an offensive lineman and I genuinely you know the landscape has changed so much with regards to the Bengals on the offensive line I'm willing to stick my neck out and say they're not going to draft an offensive lineman until rounds four or five yeah no I think you might be right I think that I think things really changed when they got Leo Collins but there's obviously a lot of value on that line um in terms of you know you can never have any too many offensive linemen obviously um you know, if a guy like that did fall to them and they had him, like you said before, at like 15, 16 on their board, could they be tempted if it was the best player available type scenario? You know, having a, you know, an, an abundance of protection for Joe Burrow and strength in depth would be something that, um, you know, we I think most Bengals fans would be all over. But I know what you mean. I certainly think it's the interior part of that line that's going to be uh, a more pressing concern. But still very interesting to sort of look at some of those prospects. Yeah, that, definitely, um, definitely. Will be around, you know, if the Bengals truly are going for a best player available type scenario I'm going to say another bold statement now I don't think if I were the Bengals I would actually even if Linderbaum was there I would pass on him at 31 yeah yeah I just think there are better players that if you kind of add premium positions plus need plus value plus talent I just think there's going to be better players there in more premium positions we've got they they picked up a centre they did. You know, you have to get away. You know, you can't get away from that, sorry. Uh, and as good Linderbaum is and probably will be for a team, I don't think he'll be there. But um, even if he is, I think I want might want to go for cornerback. Uh, I think it's just such a premium position. Plus, you get a fifth-year option on that guy, and that's could be quite valuable going forward in terms of cap space, especially as uh, as we're approaching, you know, Big contract extensions for Borrow and Higgins and and Chase. Um, yeah, I, I just think, and even defensive line, a, a pass rusher of some description, whether that be interior or someone that has position uh, versatility, I think that's more of a premium need at a premium position, if that makes sense. So, oh, I don't know. Um, right, before we get into who we're going to pick and hear who you guys want to pick, we're going to play some games. So this game is called Either Or. I'm going to ask Nathan as many questions as I can in a minute. And um, it's draft related, obviously. Um, but I think for the Jeopardy and the game part of it, Nathan, you've got to answer 40 questions in a minute. Oh, blimey, Sam. Uh, feeling confident. So basically the onus is stream of consciousness, whatever pops into your head first. And I'll go, I'll try and go as quickly as I can with the questions. Yeah. Okay. All so right. are you ready? I think so. And of course, there's just to warn you, there's going to be a few moments in this one. I'm going to try and throw you off course. Okay. So let's see how we get on. Ready? All right. Yep. Three, two, one. Linderbaum or Booth? Linderbaum. Linderbaum or Elam? Linderbaum. Le Elam or Booth? Elam. Booth or Gordon? 
Booth. Gordon or Elam? Elam. Transition. Pizza or pasta? Pizza. Italy or Spain? Italy. M&M's or M&M? M&M's. Transition. 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 Ryman or Smith? Ryman. Petrie or Brisker? Brisker. Linderbaum or Trade Down? Uh, Linderbaum. Transition. Transition. Uh, Baseball or cricket? Uh, Cricket. Uh, Burger or hot dog? Burger. Italy or USA? Italy. Salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? Salt and vinegar. Transition. Transition. Oh, I've pressed the wrong button. Shit. Hold on. Uh, uh, (laughs) Logan Hall or Drake Jackson? Johnson. Logan Hall. Transition. Transition. Moretti or Peroni? Peroni. Peroni or Manabria? Manabria. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Oh, out of time. I think you've got 38. No, no, hold on. 35 there, Nathan. Pretty good guy in that, son. Oh, I think that game's a keeper. I quite like that, don't you? I do a little fast, fast-paced action. That's right. That's what. That's what this podcast needs: some fast-paced action. <laughs> Forty would have been outrageous. I'd have to get a hundred mile an hour for that. Yeah. There was points where I was like naming things, and I was like, "Would that contradict what I've said previously?" Because you know, <laughs> no, right. so quickly, and you're like. Basically, but, um, you were just saying Linderbaum for everybody. Every every question. Linderbaum, <laughs> yeah. Linderbaum. I do rate him. I, I love the fact he's from Iowa. They always like churn out some good offensive linemen. They're sort of hard workers. I think he would be a very good player and he you know, he'd add some real depth to that offensive line. But there's a couple of good guys in there, you know, that I, I really I'm all someone that loves getting a bit of value. I'd love someone that like I said before, you know, is um someone that's sort of been mocked above us that falls down a bit. And I think if he was there he he would be a, a fantastic pick for us. But yeah, I do think that you know you look do you look at that depth chart at the cornerback position, and we we do need someone really in the first three rounds, probably in the first two rounds. Um, but obviously, if you didn't get that, there are some other guys, veterans available. So it's not the end of the world, but um, it's certainly a more pressing need than others. We've got another game to play, haven't we? Um, it is the draft special of the name game, and I believe Nathan has come up with some names to test me. Are they real or are they nonsense names? Uh, Nathan, uh, you've got some names for me, haven't you? You have. I've got this, bringing this back in um, true fashion. So we've got 10 prospects. Um, four of them are real prospects in the four. NFL draft this year. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. And six of them are fake prospects. There's a couple like Smoke Monday that I knew you would have known, yeah, which is an yeah. outrageous. I mean, Sauce Gardner himself. I mean, that's an outrageous name as well. But obviously, you know, that would have been too easy. So there's some guys in here that I've chucked in. Four of them are real and Six of them are not. So I've got. Are you ready to kick things off, my son? Do it. Let's do it. Okay. The first player, and you have to tell me if this is a real player in the NFL draft upcoming or a player that I've made up. Now, bear in mind, name, I have done about four mock drafts every day for the past two months. So if I don't do this, then I'm. I might as well just leave everything. Leave you, home. Uh, leave this podcast. Go to just walk into the sea, basically. So, are, you, are you telling me that you reckon you're going to get a perfect ten or something? No, I'm not. I'm saying if I don't win, what's the threshold that I win? I, I think considering that you've been quite in on the draft this year, but I'd like 10. to see you get eight. Oh, oh, okay, eight. Okay, that's generous. Okay, all right, let's do it. I, I think I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Go on, go for it. First player's name is Snoop. Connor. No, that's not a real name. 
It is a real name, is Snoop it? Connor. That's a good start. Might as well start packing my bags now. Go on. Where is he? What is he? Snoop Connor. Good old Miss running back. Good old Snoop. Snoop, well, Snoop Connor. Good luck to Snoop in the draft, definitely. <laughs> see, 0-1. See, the poor stars. you really got to get things back on track, my son. So, the next player, he's a brute O'Grady. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that is not right. So you're, what, you're one out. <laughs> I like Bruto Grady, though. Good. Go on, then. Be a fantastic guard, wouldn't he, Bruto Grady? Oh, yeah. um, third player, Charleston Rambo. That is a real player, wide receiver. Correct, Sonny. He's a real player. Two so that's your two out of three. So you're getting things back on track. Okay. Um, player number four, John Joe Diesel. Now, there's a Jojo Dorman, but I'm not sure about a John Joe Diesel. No, I'm going to say no. <laughs> you're correct, son. You're, you're, back, you're well and truly back on track here. Three out of four. So, player number five, William Dunkel. No. William Dunkel is a real player, my son. Three and two. Come on. <laughs> player number six, Calypso. <laughs> Harris. Oh, it could well be. That's a good name. I'm going to say no, though. I've not seen a Calypso about. <laughs> no, that is a fake one that I've made up. Some. Oh, it's a good These are good fake names, I must say. These are these are players I'd root for. <laughs> these are great. I quite like. He'd definitely be a cornerback, Calypso yes, Harris. Definitely. I think. definitely. But, Four um, and two. Four and two. Come on. The next player, number seven, Zincenzo <laughs> Dos. Zincenzo Dos, another great name. No. <laughs> He's not a real play oh, made up. Oh. Zincenzo Dos. I think he'd be a safety if he did yeah, play. Yeah, definitely. What a name. These are great names, man. Um, player number eight, Goat Morris. Well, it's so ridiculous, I'm going to say yes. I've not seen any goats knocking about, but yes, okay. No, he's a made-up name, Goat Morris. <laughs> Another great name, five and three. Goodness me, okay. Um, number nine, Sincere McCormack. He is a real player. He is indeed. Um, and finally, player number ten, this is Babacar it. I've got, I've got to John get... Morris. Babacar John Morris? Oh, have I seen a Babacar? So I need to get this right to win, basically, because I think I'm like... No, you needed eight, and you've only, you could only possibly get seven, I believe. All oh, right, so I haven't won at all then. What was it? Babacar John Morris? No, come on now. <laughs> no, it's not. And I, I should never have told you there was four real players because then you've by that process I know, right. Yeah. But I still didn't get the eight, though. I didn't get the eight, though, did I? That's a solid I? effort, though, son. You, you're pretty confident on the players that were there. Yeah. Good, good quality fake names there. Fake names. Very good. Right, uh, again, I don't know why we're dragging this out. No one really cares what we think. Uh, but we are going to reveal, Nathan and I, who our draft crushes are and who we think the Bengals will take. But first, we're going to hear from you. I asked you who your draft crushes are. You got in touch with us on our Twitter feed, at Hooday underscore UK. And here's what you said. Nathan Sangara at Punjay93. Um, draft crushes are Zion McCollum, Calvin Austin, and uh, the wide receiver, as Andrew mentioned, and Jelani Woods, Charlie Kohler, a tight end, is another is another one I like as well. I think the Bengals take Elam if he's there. 
Doubt they go eyeline, but they could take Linderbaum or Zion Johnson if they fall to 31. Thank you, Nathan. And obviously Nathan was part of our British draft panel earlier on in the draft season. Michael Smith at conniving underscore crow. Solid handle. I'm not a draft expert, but who in this class would you draft based on their Twitter handles? See, I, I can't get past TJ's shiny shoes. I think he would go number one for me. What, who's your number one draft pick on solid handles, would you say? Well, I, I like Mike's conniving crow is certainly um, certainly one of my favourites. But I'm going to be keeping a close eye out for who the Bengals draft and if there are any solid handles there this year. Because, um, you know, with Darius Phillips gone now and, you know, we, we need some some solid, solid Bengals Twitter um additions with handles some cryptic tweets anything to sort of keep us keep us entertained paris penny paris penny uh, unless someone unexpectedly falls into our lap i think they'll be taking kaya elam or kyla gordon at 31 i think they'll go defense in rounds one and two with them adding a tight end and wide receiver in the mid rounds uh jay brr at baguette disco Solid handle. Um, I can see them taking Cam Taylor-Britt at cornerback. I love one of the super athletic guys like uh, Zion McCullum later on, though. Uh, BB at Blue Bengals 5. Uh, can see us concentrating uh, on the defence and a tight end. If no QBs are taken the first, I suspect we may draft back for an extra pick or two. Linderbaum a must if he's there, but I think he'll be gone by the time we get on the clock. Um, Jamie at Trackwart Beta I love Jeremiah Hall and Curtis Brooks both might be undrafted I think Curtis Brooks he's been getting a lot of uh, uh, coverage recently and he's been shooting at the boards um, but yeah I wouldn't mind Curtis Brooks either Danny Cole at Hoodie 87 give me Tyler Smith and Roger McCreary and Jeremy Ruckett the tight end there uh, Matthew uh, Matt uh, give me punting god, Matt Eraser. I don't think they're going to draft a punter. Do you? I don't, I've gone back and forth on this. Um, I don't know. I I mean, like I said, I think it will make sense because I think they'll be they they'll be living off the fact of you know obviously they drafted um, Evan McPherson um, last year. People are always a bit early maybe for a special team, but it was arguably one of the picks of the draft in terms of the production he gave back, and that's a position at, you know at kicker or punter. If you do draft a guy, um, you know like Ryan Stonehouse, Matt Arazio, whoever it is. Like we saw with Kevin Huber, they can stick around for 10, 15 years and be in a valuable addition to the team. So I think if there was a guy there that they really felt look, is going to be an upgrade on what we've got, on bringing back Huber um, or what we've already got in the building, I do think that they might take um, pull the trigger on someone, especially in the sixth or seventh round, where at that point you, your odds of hitting on a player are pretty low anyway. I know we it's easy to get excited with some of these late round picks but if you look back on the success of the, the Bengals have had in the sixth or seventh round over the last five ten years it's virtually non-existent so I, I wouldn't be against trying their luck on a punter and seeing what they get there I mean they might think Drew Chrisman is the guy I mm, mean I know he's yeah, yeah. put a few YouTube videos out and he looks fairly handy he seems like a nice bloke but how that translates to an NFL game I'm not not quite sure so I don't know it's an interesting one it is, and uh, Uncle Jeff Hobson said in one of his latest pieces that um, 
the club and Huber are still talking. So, you know. I'd like Huber back. I, I, I think he's I think got still year got, in He him. didn't have a great yeah. year. He didn't have his best year last year. So you do wonder with his age whether he's, you know, um, starting to wind down a bit. But uh, I still think, you know, he's still got some juice left in the tank. Anyway, Richard Dixon at Lord Rixendale. Solid hand. The Bengals desperately need to address their players with awesome names depth. So I think we should draft Smoke Monday, Charleston Rambo, and yes, DeGene Dixon. Um, <laughs> oh, well, we've just been through a load of names, Richard. So um, Tom Figjam at Figjam Sports. Solid um, handle. I want them to take one of the uh, big IOL guys, uh, Tyler Linderbaum, Kenyon Green, Daniel Falele. A hearts for eyes emoji. I think they'll take a corner. Daxton Hill, Andrew Booth, Roger McCreary. Cartoon Steve Bold at Cartoon Boldy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like Linderbaum Johnson Green. O-line is still a question mark if the internal solution at left guard doesn't step up. And wonder if a run on QBs materialises and a CB or defensive lineman that's been projected much higher might slip to us. Failing that, trade back, please. Feels like a couple more picks on day two could be productive, which brings me on to my crushes. Brian Cook, the safety from Cincinnati, obviously. Uh, Cam Taylor-Britt, the cornerback. Perry and Winfrey, the defensive tackle. Luke Fortner, the, the guard centre. And, of course, the obligatory reference to Zach Tom and Marcus Jones. I think they'll take Booth or Elam. Zach Tom, basically, what uh, Baldy is saying that he... He's available in like round five every single time, and uh, he's an offensive lineman. He can play at a number of positions. Doc has mentioned him, and he's supposed to be very good in pass protection. So anyway, uh, Shaka Sloth at P. Larson. Um, he wants Britton Covey, a round six pick. Well, there we go. Uh, never heard of Britton Covey, but that would make sense for us. Um, Matt Curzon at MC Curzon. Alante Taylor, Cade Mays, the guard, Cam Jurgens, the centre, Jamari Salia, the guard, centre, whatever, Smoke Monday, Kobe Bryant, the Cincinnati cornerback, as mid-round guys, Logan Hall as an early-round guy, and finally, ND Swag at Gordon uh, underscore McAvoy, um, Darren Kennard in the second round, please. So there is a real smorgasbord of opinion there. A lot of people still quite fancy offensive line. Uh, some interesting names to consider. Um, so, Nathan, it comes down to this. People are literally on the edge of their seats waiting for us to name our draft crushes and who we think the Bengals <laughs> would do. And honestly, they are. can feel it through the airwaves. Uh, either that or I've got some trap wind. That's what this feeling is. So which the latter is likely. However, we're going to do it. Uh, just pretending that uh, our opinions really matter. Um, we're going to play along with the illusion. Um, so, Nathan, who are your draft crushes? Give us, say, three or four or five, however many you want. Who are your draft crushes? I told you before, and I'll tell you again, I like Isaiah Likely, the tight end from Coastal Carolina. He's big lad, mm -hmm. 6'4", 240 pounds, very versatile. Mm -hmm. He's not the best blocker, but he improved last year um, as a lead blocker in some packages. Um, he, I reckon you're looking at him in rounds 
sort of three to four, which I think a bit like Doc has said for the tight end position, I think they're probably confident that Hurst is going to lead that position. I don't think they're going to do anything silly in sort of rounds one or two, maybe even round three. So likely we'll probably be there around... Um, I'd say around sort of three to four, maybe even a tiny bit later with that. The Bengals did meet with him at the Combine, so sort of going back to your point, son, around like who they've had spoken to. So he's someone, smaller school, obviously, from Coastal Carolina. Um, a bit of trivia for you, son. Who was who did the Bengals draft from Coastal Carolina in the past, second round? Um, I don't know. Wide receiver? I don't know. Jerome Simpson Did was from they? Coastal Carolina. Well, we all know um, how well he turned out, or not, apart from one amazing yeah. play. But interesting. Okay, co- okay, that's a good one. And the Bengals it's also a fantastic up- name, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. <laughs> it's a great name. Maybe we should include them in the name game, like uh, t- <laughs> team names. Uh, okay, there's one, uh, and they have brought in Isaiah Likely in for a visit. So who, who's next on the Palmer hit list this year? I- this is a guy that a few people like just because of his familiarity with Logan Wilson. Chad Moomer, the linebacker from Wyoming, good athlete, well-rounded sort of player. You're probably looking, I mean, round three, I think if you got him there, it'd be good value. I think he probably has gone before then. But he's a sort of hard-working, um, strong athlete that I think you could pair back with Logan Wilson and would be a strong performer for us. And number three? Um, this is a position that doesn't exist, but I think it's probably <laughs> okay, right. it's probably one that I think the Bengals could use some improvement at is the kick returner. Yes. Um, and I think the consensus best kick returner um, in the college football at the moment is Marcus Jones, who's the cornerback from Houston. So yeah. just purely thinking about that. Um, I just think it's a nice weapon to have someone back there. Like I used to get off the edge of my seat when Adam Jones was back there and, you know, you kick it deep to him and you always felt like he had the um, the threat to score. And I think someone like that coming in, just giving us that option, making teams be a bit more considered about when they're punting, you know, who they're, you know, just all the directional of it and stuff like that. And just having that weapon that might score you once a season or just give you that extra field position could really be something that, um, you know, could be a benefit there. So that for Marcus Jones, for that reason, and it'd give you valuable uh, depth in that exactly. uh, cornerback room. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Any more for any more? Um, I think. I mean, I did have Matt Arazia down um, from San Diego State, the punter. I do think that that's something that potentially. I'm not really sure what I think. That I, I love Kevin Hoover. You know, we've met him. He's a top bloke. He, you know, he's getting a bit older, but I mean that I do think that it probably would be a nice upgrade to pair alongside McPherson. The other guy that I think is quite a funny guy that, you know, this is a little gritty sort of um, receiver type um, Slade Bolden from Alabama. He's probably going to be a seventh round pick, maybe even undrafted. He used to play quarterback, yeah. hard worker, slot receiver, 5'11", 193. He's not going to tear up anything, but he's just one of those gritty sort of, I, I watched him a couple of times for Alabama and was quite impressed with him. Um, can do a bit of everything, you know, what will be the hardest worker on the team, but probably isn't um, going to turn up any trees. But again, in the seventh round or going into free agent, you want those type of personalities in the locker room. Um, and he could offer you something maybe as a gadget sort of um, end around type plays where he could throw or, you know, in that sort of mold. So maybe someone like him um, if, as a priority free agent or seventh rounder. Mm, I like him. I like him. I like him. Right, I'm going for uh, Devonta Wyatt, the defensive tackle. He's not going to be there, but there's a slight chance. And I just, I really, I fell in love with Geno Atkins. And anyone that replicates anything 
of any sort that Geno Atkins can bring to a football team, I think, is worth a shot. And I think Devonta White is your man. He's he's a bit taller than Geno, he's six foot three. And I think he's got some fantastic pass rushing traits and strength within that uh, defensive line. The, but the more realistic guy, the guy, my number one draft crush this year is Logan Hall. He's listed as a defensive end, but in some places he's listed as a defensive tackle. He's just super athletic. He's got really long arms. So he just pushes people out of the way. And even when he shifts inside, as Andrew mentioned, there is a question mark about leverage because he is so tall when he moves inside. But he uses his hands to really good effect. I've seen him bend down on some YouTube clips, bend down on one knee and remove people when he's played on the interior. That's probably not a thing you want to do in the NFL, but it just demonstrates his strength. He's quick. He's uh, angry. He's athletic. And he's got his tape suddenly. He's an angry no, man. No, that's my little addition there. Um, I just think he would be brilliant in terms of the way, you know, Lou likes to mix things up across that front. Three-man fronts, five-man fronts. And I think that position versatility with Logan Hall would really aid and make that defensive line something really, uh, really special. Um, so next I'm going to go cornerback. And, and I've been on this guy. I've been on, I'm going to go t- two defensive backs here. Um First of all, I'm going for my favourite cornerback. And I like Andrew Booth. I like Kair Elam. He's a bit angry, though. He is an angry fella. Uh, and I think he needs to calm down a bit if he gets drafted, in uh, certainly by us. Um, I like, actually, Roger McCreary. I don't buy this thing about T-Rex arms and all the rest of it. He's got fantastic coverage skills. So if we go any of those three, I'm, you know, fine. But the guy that I, me personally, I really like is Kyler Gordon. I think he's just so smooth and he's so... He's got good quickness. He's got good coverage skills. He's got great ball skills as well. And even though he's a little bit inexperienced, I think he's the perfect guy to sit behind Apple and Cheeto and learn and just be rotated into that. Uh, again, you know, you look at the way Lou used cornerbacks last year and against the Chiefs, you know, there was eight people in coverage. Do you know what I mean? There's eight guys there in coverage towards the end of that Chiefs game, the AFC Championship game. So I know we've got Trey Flowers, but he he, he operates and, and performs and, well, provides a very niche uh thing there you know they like him to cover tight ends and keep him in that sort of mid field area but I think Kyler Gordon I think he's got real skill he's just so smooth and I like him and I want us to uh and I want us to uh draft him and another guy that I really like in the defensive backfield <laughs> is again Andrew mentioned him but again Another guy that I've been high on right as soon as I started doing the mock drafts, this guy leapt out at me. It was Kirby Joseph. He's a safety from Illinois. Uh, he had, a, again, a little bit of experience, had a fantastic 2021 season. Great ball skills, great ball hawk. He's six foot one. He's basically a pound for pound replacement for Jesse Bates. Basically, that's what he is. He's a, he's a good reader of the field. He hasn't got amazing speed, but he's just a good player. In the middle of that field, good instincts, good ball skills. I think uh, I think he'd be a ready-made replacement. And finally, I'm going to go wide receiver. And I'm going to, unlike you, I'm going to go for 
um, a guy that, um, you know, we talked about, um, you know, these smaller guys, like a Bow Melton, like a Charles Austin, like uh, a Naylor, that will provide, you know, return skills as well as, you know, that kind of dynamism, that little twitchy kind of thing. But I'm going to go for a guy that's a bit bigger and I think would be a fantastic um outside guy and that's Tyquan Thornton from Bailey six foot three I just think when you see last year when when um when T Higgins went down we were a little bit thin on the outside in terms of physicality and I think this guy can do it all he's got um um he does have elite long speed the reports say and uh, I think you know he's six foot three he can go up and get it you know perhaps not the physical guy that T Higgins is, but certainly an outside guy with all the traits that you want. And I've I've been really impressed with him. And one more, uh, late on, cornerback Matt Hankins. If you want a late round cornerback, I'm going Matt Hankins. So there's my draft crushes this year. I, I, I don't think Duke Tobin's job is safe after this, after I've just heard what you said. So I think that you... You know, you you're wasted on this podcast. We need you in that front office. You know, Mike Brown's here having a chat with Katie Blackburn. I, I just think there's no point I you being would, on here, son. It's too valuable for the team. I would love to be a scout. Wouldn't you love to be a scout? Just traveling all around the country, chatting to yeah. people and watching football, and then saying, "Hey, he's got amazing hips and arms and <laughs> legs there," and pick him. That sounds like a a good job. Um, Okay, final question, and then we'll leave it there. We're going to put a bow on it and say, that's it. No more draft talk until after the draft, okay? Yeah. Um, who do you think the Bengals will pick? You know, because draft crushes are different from who the Bengals will actually pick. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes they correspond, and that's fantastic. It makes you feel like, uh, again, your opinion is absolutely bob on. But most, uh, most times, uh, they're not. So who do you think they're going to pick? You go first, Sam. I went first last time. I want you to tip your hand first. Right. I'm going to go for Andrew Booth or Logan Hall. I am going to go for Elam, I think, from Florida. I think that there's quite a few signs that are – Pointing towards him at the moment, I, I, I would like Lindenbaum, but I just think that it, as the longer it goes on, like I said, the more it sort of tears towards being, um, yeah, I think towards being a cornerback, and I think his name keeps coming up a few times. Um, so yeah, I think I think I'm going to go him. Well, there we go. You've heard it here first. Uh, I hope that was informative. I hope you enjoyed our whole draft episode. Thank you to the British Bengals. Uh, draft panel of Dadders and Nathan Sangara and Paris Pinney and uh, and Rory Joe Daniels. They were fantastic. Dave Lapham, always a treat to hear from him. Joe Goodbury last week and now uh, Dockers and uh, me and Nathan. Of course, the um, the uh, the draft starts in Vegas on Thursday night American time. Uh, very you know stupidly. Early or late, however you want to call it, on the Friday morning for us UK fans. We will be uh, broadcasting live on Friday morning 
at about eight o'clock with Good Morning Bengal. So get your uh, Cocoa Pops ready and uh, your cup of coffee and join us as we discuss what the Bengals did in the first round. We'll be there on Friday, Saturday and Sunday morning and then Nathan and I will be back to discuss the whole draft class uh, next Monday. So uh, enjoy the draft. Thanks for listening. And, uh, well, you know what I'm going to say now. It's a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.